first one is trust your inner light, which is an eight week. I say eight week, but sometimes it ends up being eight months. It really depends on the client um, and what where their journey is and how how long they want it to be. But I, I believe it's all about self-awareness in the beginning. Like I, you can't have boundaries without having self-awareness or forgiveness because you're always going to fall back into the trap. So the way I work is we look at what patterns are holding you back. So like we look at ancestral, cultural, society, familial, we even look at work trauma, you know, everything is linked. And then once we look at that, we work on forgiveness because again, the forgiveness is not for them. It's for you. Yeah. You know, the pain that you have for how someone's treated you, I help them to clear that. Then we work again on the awareness and then we work on boundaries because when you have that awareness, boundaries are easy and you can speak your truth quicker. If you don't do the inner work and you're trying to put boundaries, you're always going to feel like, oh, should I, should I not? But when you've done that inner work, you're like, no, I want to be peaceful. I want to want to be happy. So I'm doing this to tell somebody that, hey, you can't take the mick out of me anymore. So again, this is based on my own journey and what I've seen and how I kind of did it. Um, obviously, it took me a lot longer <laughs> than eight weeks. It took me like, God, we're talking over seven years plus to see all these things and patterns. But I spotted it within women and highly sensitive women. We all have this kind of like similarity where we want to hold boundaries. We just don't know how to do it. Welcome to the Revelation Project Podcast. I'm Monica Rogers, and this podcast is intended to disrupt the trance of unworthiness and to guide women to remember and reveal the truth of who we are. We say that life is a revelation project, and what gets revealed gets healed. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Revelation Project podcast. Today, we're talking about what it is to be an empath. My guest is Gerds Hundle. Gerds Hundle is a dynamic voice for the modern generation of highly sensitive women. She's an empowerment coach and self-healing expert whose mission is to empower women back to their inner light. She's the creator of Trust Your Inner Light and Rise Up Sister coaching programs that help women go from energetically drained to emotionally, physically, financially, and spiritually liberated. She is the host of the Inner Light Project podcast and the author of Educo, 52 Quotes for Leading a Better Life. Please join me in welcoming Gerds. Hey, Gerds. I'm good, thank you. I'm just excited to talk to you and just actually to finally meet you as well. It's amazing. Oh, thank you. Well, and I I don't know if I pronounced that right. Is it Utico? Is it Educo? Educo. It is Educo. Yeah. yeah. I love that. Tell like what does that word even mean? I love words like that where I'm like, what does that mean? It's the Latin word for education from within. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. So good. Fascinating. Well, where would you like to begin? I mean, this has been a really big week. So I'm kind of just curious, like, where are you in it all? Ooh. I think women more than ever need to rise up in their power and it's our turn to really no longer take crap from the other gender. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I think we've gone through and not just right now, but even our ancestors, our female ancestors have been going through so much pain and we're the ones here to finally heal them, to liberate them and ourselves. That's kind of where I feel where we're at right now. And I feel like we can't hide. No. We can't be quiet because if we do, this is going to be what it's like for the next generation to come. And that's just not going to solve anything. So we really need to take the stand, even though it's hard and it's painful and it's raw. It's going to be so powerful if we do this work. I couldn't agree more. And a lot gets revealed in these times. I'm seeing things that I forget sometimes, which is that we're not all on the same page, first of all, as women. So even just as women, and that there's a lot of change and fluidity in this space, that there's a lot of evolution happening, a lot of awakenings happen, many people in different stages of their evolution. And I remember, and you and I kind of spoke before we jumped on, that one of the ceremonial kind of initiations that I went through this year talked about what we would be encountering um, that we had to go back to go forward. And so I just think it's interesting that we're revisiting 
some of these things that women throw up at their hands and say, like, I can't believe we're dealing with this. And so, you know, for those listeners that may not know what we're talking about, we're talking about what's happening right now with the abortion laws. Yeah. It just blows my mind because, like, obviously I'm based in the UK and every time I hear about this, it comes up every few years. Nothing changes. Mm -hmm. It's the same conversation, the same more, like, people are fighting and, you know, arguing about it, but nothing actually gets done. And I feel like this is the first time I'm feeling like there's a shift that's going to happen. Yeah. Well, it's got to happen. It's got to happen. And I think that's why it's happening is because it's an opportunity. All of these challenges are opportunities to change the status quo. And so we're either going to meet that opportunity and make change happen or we're not. And and a lot of conversation gets stimulated and it feels exhausting because it's on the heels of all of these other things. So I think there's there's like a lot of reminders to the women and men who are listening to go gentle and to give yourself space and grace and rest because it takes a certain stamina, I think, to actually sustain you know, I, I know women who just needed to disconnect for a couple of days. They just needed to like go lay down, you know, like I just need to go lay down. I'm so overwhelmed. It's like, good, go do that mm-hmm. and rest up because we have some work to do. But everybody's kind of at a different stage and we have to, it's like passing the baton. It's like, okay, I'm exhausted. Can you, can you take it from here? You know, because like, yeah, we need to be allying in that way right now see the way i see it is it's all trauma oh you know women right oh so it's women for all s- trauma exactly women for centuries have been mistreated and if you look at the medical system we've always been mistreated i don't know if you know about the word hysteria it was used when they couldn't make sense of what women had problems in their body so they used to think we were being hysterical so it's linked to hysterectomy too which is what they right. thought would make us less hysterical for heaven's sakes <laughs> So this is my point, like, is that for centuries we've been going through this, not just us, our female ancestors. So there is a lot of trauma that we all hold mm-hmm. about these kind of situations and not having the right to our bodies, because even decades before women didn't have the right to their own bodies, they were there to reproduce. And now we're being told by people in government that, you know, this is the law and this is how things should be. Well, what gives them the right to tell us? It's again, they're giving us more trauma when we all have trauma and we all have di- have different levels of trauma, and if we don't work on our trauma, that whole conversation is traumatic itself. So that's kind of how I see it, is that it's just the world's trauma is rising up to the surface and it needs to be cleared because how can we move forward for the next generations if we're not healing the pains of the wounds of our ancestors? That's right. Well, and it's also, to, to your point, it's also kind of in our DNA, it's a cellular trauma as well. You know, it's not, it's from centuries of oppression, centuries of being gaslit, you know, as women being held responsible. It's, and it's hard to recognize, but this is where I think herstory is so important. And it's so important for women to be curating our herstory telling our history and telling our stories moving forward because part of what is missing from this equation is are the experiences and the stories of women and yes there are a large amount of women who are writing their stories and sharing their stories but not to the extent that men have been allowed to do that and men have done that and so what we know is his story not her story and we need mm. our story moving forward we need our story moving forward this is a co-creation and it There's obviously a lot of layers here to unpack, but I do think we're collectively unpacking them. And we're right now unpacking the one about abortion yeah, and a woman's body. And yes, we've visited this conversation a number of times, but it does feel different this time. And I'm going to assert that it is different this time (laughs) because I need to, I need, I need to feel that it's different this time, damn it, you know? So, Kurtz, what does revelation mean to you? I always like asking my guests lately what it means to them, because I've recognized that it means a lot of different things to a lot of different people, and that it's, believe it or not, often a trigger word for women, because they really? they liken it to like the Bible or, you know, so. 
Wow. I didn't even think of that. <laughs> That's fascinating. Gosh, I see it as being a brave warrior who's not afraid to care what anyone thinks, knows that they're here to help the pact, to be empowered and inspired and to be in the empowered energy. That's what kind of comes up for me. It's like almost like a goddess, mm-hmm. but knows herself. Yeah. But leads the pact. Yeah. And says, this is the way. And if you follow, your life is just going to be beautiful. So like helping to reveal the path for others like that? Yeah. 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 It's like I'm imagining like a a woman with the lantern, you know, as like shining the light on uh, options, paths, new ways of seeing things, new ways of being. It's almost like an awakening, awakening Mm. from the old self. So you know, once the light is on, you can't go back. Yeah. Isn't that the truth? That's it. Right. And then when one light shines, then another one, and then it repeats the process. So that's the way, what I meant by the pack. The pact is like, it's it's like one light goes off, then another and another. And before you know it, there's hundreds of you, thousands of you around you just saying, we hear you, we feel you, we know what, 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 what you're feeling. Gerds, are you into human design or the gene keys at all? I know a bit. Um, I know I'm a generator, but that's about it. <laughs> okay, I'm a generator too. But the reason I mention it is as I've gotten further and further into the gene keys, Richard Rudd talks about the fact that we literally, when we do our work, when we do our shadow work, when we unlock certain sequences inside of our DNA, that we literally bring more light into the body. And that that light, you cannot undo that light, that that we literally take in more light at a cellular level, and we lighten up, and we become the light. And as we continue to unlock these sequences, and I would consider unlocking a part of the healing process, we become more light-oriented, less dense, and also more filled with light and able to illuminate. So we actually do become these revealers. Wow. I, I can understand that actually looking at my whole journey. So it'll be 12, 12 sorry, 10 years coming up this year for my healing process. And the more I healed, the more my light shined and the more people were like, there's something about her. There's some energy and they wanted to be around me and they wanted to know what I was doing. So I, I can actually see that. And I, as I look back and reflect at 10 years ago, like I had so much heaviness, mm. so much anger, so much hurt, so much pain out of aligned with myself. <laughs> um, gosh, I didn't know myself. I yeah. was being what the world told me to be. Mm-hmm. I was this good girl. I was a people pleaser. I was a sacrificer. I didn't know how to stand up in my truth. Whereas as I peeled off those layers, the more I stood in my truth, the more I stopped saying yes to everything, my energy shifted. So I can understand what you're saying, that the, your energy just illuminates. And people would say strange things to me. Like I think a friend of mine was like, I could. I wish I could put you like next to a plug, and I was like, "Why?" Because you lighten up the whole place. I'm like, "Okay, like it's just yeah." Which is also a generator thing I've found is oh. that. Just forgive me, listeners, while I geek out on this for a second longer. So what I've learned about generators is also be, so there's seventy percent I think of us, and we're like the worker bees of all humanity. The interesting thing is that most generators are actually doing the opposite of what they're called to do. And if they're 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 not self, they're continually frustrated and dense and right. And when they're actually in alignment with who they really are, when they're when they're led by their yeses, then they create mm-hmm. a ton of energy that actually inspires people and that allows people. So it's like whenever I'm on with another generator, I typically <laughs> have like there's a lot of energy, right? Because it, it makes yeah. sense, right? There's a vibe. So anyway, I just wanted to add that that's a very generator thing to be able to kind of bring that energy to a room, especially in a room full of generators who can who can see themselves, but they're not necessarily in their power yet or in their light yet. Mm -hmm. It's like, but they resonate with it. Do you know what I mean? It's like, oh, you represent in a way. I want that. That's our clients, if you think about it. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I think we're really called to 
you know, just be attracted to the people we're meant to work with in some way or to, mm-hmm. or to follow or to hear, listen to. So, and I don't take that for granted. Like it, it really feels to me like I'm just, I'm just so grateful. You know, I'm grateful to, to know that. I'm grateful to know that about the people I'm attracted to and I trust that. So, what would you say is your unique brilliance? <laughs> Seeing patterns within people and helping them to heal them. I don't know how I do it. I just see patterns as I'm talking to somebody. I, I will know like their ancestral history, their cultural history, you name it. And just helping them to dissect that and understand it, but also to forgive those things and to just move forward. That's, I think that's my, my brilliance. Yeah, I love that. So like to be able to see patterns and I know what you're talking about because I I can do that too. I in in different ways and with different people is to be able to almost it's almost like it drops down and it doesn't. It's almost like it drops down into a grid and I can like follow yeah. you know some kind of, it's it's such a hard thing to describe but I too can see patterns and things and I love that you know that about yourself. Just to add what I was going to say one of my friends said I'd love to know like how your brain works. I reckon it's like the matrix, like the mm-hmm. coding. So it's mm-hmm. probably the same with you, like, the way it works. Our brain like codes in a way that doesn't make sense to most people. And doesn't even make sense to me sometimes. Right. <laughs> like there's an end. It's a gift because I don't always, I can't always access it. So when I'm, I guess when I'm meant to access it, I can, but it doesn't necessarily show up for me all the time or on demand. So I guess, you know, part of me is kind of like just as filled with wonder about it as anybody else. And so as a podcaster, what, you know, and for our listeners, you know that as I read Gerd's bio that she is also a podcaster, what are the conversations that light you up the most? People who've been through like the worst pain that you could ever imagine, but have found a way or like the system has said to them, like they've had a health condition and there's no other way, but they've chosen to ignore that and be in their truth and Mm -hmm. find a way so it's kind of like the revelation it's like you're going to tell me no okay ding light bulb comes on yeah I'm going to show the way and I love interviewing people like that because I want the listeners to know that they're not alone and the reason I started the podcast many years ago was because I was alone and I know what it feels like when you're on that journey of like doing the inner work it is tiring it is lonely but to hear another soul saying it might not be exactly like your story, but saying, you know what, I got through it and this is where I am now, that blows me away. Yeah. And they say we teach or talk about what we was most kind of near and dear, right, to our own story. So what parts of your own story are Ooh. resonant with that, what you just shared? I was alone. I know what it is to get to a low point where you have no answers. You don't know what you're going to do, but you have this faith and this conviction in yourself that you will find a solution. And so I always feel like I relate with the like the person I'm interviewing because I know like even the pain might not be same, but we've been in the same situation mm-hmm. where we had no other way of knowing what to do, but we trusted this divine power, universe, whatever you want to call it. And then the answer showed up. And I think that's what I relate with is because I honestly know what it feels like to be alone in that situation. And I can give you numerous situations in my own health, like my life as well. Like, you know, when I went on this journey, 2012, nobody understood me around me. They thought I was nuts. There was something wrong with me. I'd lost the plot. I needed to see a doctor, but I was, I was doing deep work. And then when I had like health conditions, I had a kidney problem back in 2015. I went from being on stage, like having this amazing successful career. And then overnight like that, it went And I had to surrender and I had no other choice. And I've had people on the podcast who had similar experiences, again, slightly different from mine, but had been in a process where they were doing amazingly well and they lost everything and they had to rebuild. But we all learned the process of balancing our masculine and feminine energies because we didn't know that about ourselves. Mm -hmm. So I thank God I've healed it. Um, But again, I, I knew there was a solution. Yeah. And again, they knew there was a solution. And again, we knew there was something greater than ourselves and everything is a lesson and a blessing. So there was a reason why I had to go through what I went through and the reason why they went through what they went through. So that's kind of how I see it is that it's a journey 
And I love sharing journeys where people have found a solution because there's so much pain in the world right now where people have no answers. They will either listen to a doctor say, this is it for them. But to hear somebody that has come out of it and has found a way, that is what I relate to because I did the same thing. And what what was it like? Do you mind sharing more about what happened with the kidney? You said it was a, a, a kidney issue. Yeah, I feel like there's a lot there. So 2015, living my best life, (laughs) I suddenly get some pains in my kidney. I had a shower and then I was like, oh, I'll just chill out. Next minute, I I knocked out on my bed for two hours, woke woke up with excruciating pains. A paramedic said to me that you've got a kidney problem. The doctor in the hospital said, no, you've just got a urine infection. I spent two years of my life fighting with doctors, fighting with consultants to know what was going on with me. They didn't have no clue what was going on. They just kept saying, you're an infection, take this, take that. Um, Oh, it's a blockage. But what kind of blockage? And what it turned out to be, which Monica, it was just like, oh my God, I was born with a kidney defect and I found at 29 years old that I had a kidney. So for years I had pain in my right side thinking it was a stitch. I did gymnastics as a kid. Again, I used to be like, oh, it's a stitch. As you do. Yeah, I got a stitch in my side. Yeah. No stitch. I was born with a kidney defect and my uterine pipe was twisted at the top. So yeah, I'd been going around living life thinking, oh yeah, and I would be tired a lot. But again, I thought, oh, it's just because I'm doing too much. It was all to do with my kidney. So when the whole kidney thing happened, I had, again, different consultants saying different things. They wanted to remove it and I refused. And I found one consultant and I guess it was just divine timing. He was like, we can, we can, we can operate on it. We can remove this, the stent, um, not stent, sorry, the, the knots. We can reconstruct the kidney and just see what happens and take it from there. And I, honest to God, like it was the best decision I made. Even though a year later after that, I ended up getting kidney disease. Again, that's a whole nother journey. And was that related? Was that related to it? I managed to heal that. Um, as in the operation or the kidney? Well, I'm curious because first it was like a kidney defect and then there was a kidney disease. Was there a relationship between the two? From what I know now, but obviously the medical system doesn't understand it from just my own research. You've got to imagine you're having so many scans and I had so many nuclear dye injections that your body can't cope with so many um, scans because it's so many like toxins in your body. So I think my body had already had so much inside of it, like toxins mm-hmm. that the body didn't know what to do. Now it was healing. It was, it was getting confused. And so I had it, I needed to get rid of all the toxic heavy metals out of my body naturally. And now it's reversed. I did that within seven months. Wow. How did you do that? How, like, what did you do? <laughs> like, did you, and, and I'm, I'm asking because I find that health challenges are huge for so many people and there's, it's like doing your personal work. We can either look at it from a victim mentality. It's like, this is happening to me, or we can say, this is happening for me. And mm-hmm. there's a way that sometimes we get a diagnosis and we get invested in that story. And it is a story. We can heal everything and anything. And when we don't know that and we invest in that story, we have a very limited road that we can go down. But if we refuse to take that and live it as our story, we can create a different outcome. And I'm not saying in every single incidence that is true, but in many of them, it's true. And I love what you were saying about how the medical establishment didn't know. And there are a lot of things the medical establishment doesn't know. And there's a time when we have to take our power back because I think so many of us have given our power over to medical institutions and they don't have all the answers. In fact, they have a very limited range of answers. And what I love about the Revelation Project is that once you start doing your own Revelation Project, which I say we're all doing, we start revealing way more than we ever knew was possible. And this is where we start to get into the realm of synchronicity and miracles. Because when we start actually believing an alternative narrative that empowers us versus disempowers us, the universe starts coming with 
all the gifts <laughs> and all the ways and all the opportunities for us to choose a different story. Yeah. Well, you see, I've always, when I look back at my life and I look at back how everything has been, I with a lot of people who were ill. I've also grown up with a mum who was a nurse who worked in the kidney renal unit. Very strange, connected no, to my story. It's not. It's all links. It's all links. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all links. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm like, of course. And me with, you know, my dad was a vascular surgeon and I have all kinds of weird issues that have to do with the vascular system. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah so you get it. Yeah, you get it. Most people are just like, what? Like, yeah, you get it. <laughs> Gosh, so I always felt like, I've always, from a young age, I need to find a solution. I need to help people. I need to save people. It's just, it's in my DNA, the way I've always been. So like growing up, I I had a lot of health problems before that. So I had like eating disorder, I had depression, I had IBS, I had anxiety. I was anemic. Um, my left arm stopped working in Canada. I had to, I learned to regenerate it. Like, you name it. And I went through a cancer scare at 25. So prior to all of like everything before the kidney thing, I always found a solution to a problem. Mm-hmm. I was always like, no, I can find a solution. But this was the first time I had no solution and I didn't know what to do. And I had to trust the medical system more than ever before. Like I also had um, years before that I had um, tonsil stones and uh, and the uh, consultant wanted to remove my tonsil. And I said, just give me six months and I'll come back. And I use like apple cider vinegar. And I went back and he's like, oh my God, how did you do that? And I said, apple cider vinegar and he, and he said oh that's a miracle and I'm like yeah here we go again I was so used to hearing it's a miracle many times when I would heal situations so with the kidney thing I just I would google everything like you know talk to who I could ask my mom nobody had an answer for me because we didn't know what this blockage was or what was going on so I had to surrender and listen and trust in doctors more than I'd ever done before by the way, I also worked in a pharmacy whilst I was at uni. I'm a very strange person. Well, not strange, but it's just who I am. It's like the medical systems. In- Multifaceted, yeah. Yeah, because I was actually a journalist. So I was studying journalism. <laughs> a curious brain. So I used to always look and think, why is this person taking 20 medications? Why do they, like, my brain was just thinking like that, even then at like 18, 19 years old. I was very confused why we needed to take so many medications. So when I got to this point in my life where, like, I had self healed, you know, I'd done all my emotional work at that point, I'm like, what happened? Like, how did I get to this point? And so I listened to the doctors, I trusted the process, I did everything else I could. And then after the operation, about a year and a half, started getting pains again. They said, take this, take that. Again, I refused. I just said, okay, I'll take the prescription, but never really did. <laughs> but I just, I just, I remember breaking down one day saying, universe, just show me the way, what is going on with me? Because surely I've had the operation now, I should be feeling better. And then how the universe works. Years ago, I was on Hay House Radio, and I remember listening to a guy called Medical Medium. Oh, yeah. Who had a show, but yeah. but I thought he was quite a fanatic, because like, if you don't understand him, he's, he, he's quite intense. Like, I'll be honest. He, yeah, he is. But again, he's downloading, so it's not him. It's, it's the divine. Yeah, and I love his work. Right? And so, like, I remembered him, and I was like, oh, let me Google him. Met kidney problems. And I kid you not, it came up with celery juice. It came up with cucumber juice. And I was like, okay, let me do this. Then I bought all the books. I dived in deep. I just listened to everything that he said about kidneys. And I, honest to God, like within about a month, I started to see a difference. Wow. I remember when I first took a sip of celery juice, <laughs> I felt like I was drunk. Like I don't drink anymore, but I was like, wow, I didn't realize I was lacking so much in my body. And slowly, the more I did with his protocols, the pains in my back was going. I had I had massive like marks on my back, like this long, mm-hmm. all the way where where my kidney was. The pain was less in my kidney. My fatigue, I still got a bit of fatigue, but again, it's better than what it used to be. So, I, I think it was like seven. It was seven months into the the protocol, and I went and had some bloods done, and then they were like, "Oh, you don't have kidney disease anymore." And I was like, "What? It's a miracle." I know. I, 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 yes, we need to do more tests to check this and uh-huh. you might have this. And you're like, oh my God, here we go again. But the, the thing I didn't tell you is that the consultant didn't tell me I had kidney disease. I found it out myself. Uh, but again, that's the in- guess investigative brain I have. <laughs> I guess we all have to investigate. We all need to know our bodies. If we don't know our bodies, we're giving our power away. So I learned that a long time ago. You need to know what's going on with you. Ask the questions, everything you need to know, and always 
ask for another uh, opinion. So I was going through a horrible stage. I remember there's like kidney charities. So I talked to somebody there and I said, I don't know what's going on. I think I have kidney disease. I've got all the symptoms. It makes sense to me. And so he told me, get, I think it was like your EGFR number and another number. Um, so when my doctor gave me my results, I asked for those numbers and they were quite surprised me asking for them. They're like, oh, how do you know that? And I was like, oh, just someone told me to get them. And then I gave them back to him. He checked the numbers and he said, you have stage two. Then I went to my consultant and instead of saying, oh, let's work on it. He asked me, oh, how did, how did you find this out? Mm. So I could they could have led me up to stage five, which is like, is like dialysis point. Mm-hmm. Had I not done the work. Oh my God. And I, I did not want to be in that situation because like I said, my mum was a nurse in dialysis. I know exactly what it's like from her, her telling me the experiences and I didn't want to go down that route. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's so true, you know, everything that you're saying. And I love that you just continued to allow your curiosity to really kind of drive. And that can be really intimidating because you're getting all this conflicting information. But I think that there's a way that our body kind of resonates with the information that's true for us. And we just keep going in that path. At least that's what I've found. And also just paying attention when you drank the celery juice, like you've actually felt like your body was like, thank you. You know, like there's there are clues, but I think we have to be embodied. And this is where you have a lot of experience in being a very sensitive person. You grew up a very sensitive child. I think that sensitivity can be such a gift and it can also be the <laughs> the opposite. And it it's also kind of my I, I'm I'm guess my question is like, did you do you find because you are so sensitive that it was easy for you to pick up on the signals your body was giving you when it was time to do the healing? Hmm. Probably, yes. But I, d- I was going to say a lot of people think sensitivity is a curse. It's not. It's just we've not been taught how to manage it. I think once we know how to manage it, it is a beautiful blessing. Like sometimes it can be a pain, don't get me wrong, in, in certain situations, but it's always yeah. being aware of your surroundings, also knowing how to keep yourself grounded in those situations. But yeah, I think, yeah, being sensitive. I think I have always picked up people's emotions. Even the consultants, I know when they're lying and they just don't know what they're talking about and I'll quiz them but they'll get annoyed. And actually just just for our listeners, I think I know what you mean by consultants, but we don't I don't believe we have those in the US. So help me understand. How do those What is a consultant? Is that like because do you do you guys have a different health system there? Do you do cuz in the US we have insurance and we Oh yes. It's so in other words, our health system is like we can go to specialists, but it's out of pocket. Or uh, we can right. we can go to functional medicine doctors or naturopaths or chiropractors, but it's typically out of pocket unless you pay a bigger insurance policy that also covers specialists and things like that. But there are anybody who's in holistic healthcare, it's typically out of pocket, just like massage would be out of pocket, right? Yeah. Okay. So how does that equate? So that's the same. But you see, with our system slightly different here. So obviously we pay our taxes. We NHS here is free, mm-hmm. um, but certain parts you have to pay. And then if you want to do private, you can do private. Um, but the way we're kind of going, we're kind of going towards like you guys, like we are going towards the private side now. Um, but you do, we do get to see like, so consultants, I guess, are kind of like uh, practitioners. I okay. Guess. So it's um, like a nurse practitioner or... Oh, no. So they're, they're actually, so they're doctors. So these guys are doctors, but they have a specialism in that. So I would see a gynecologist, but he's still a consultant. Okay. Okay. Got it. Yeah. So we call them consultants here. Yeah. I just realized it's very different. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. I love, I, I'm, I'm just trying to make the equation and, you know, making sure that I'm not making something up like really like a consultant. You Because here in the US, we would consider a consultant somebody who doesn't necessarily specialize in the thing but is more of a strategic right right has a strategic overview and a a background in like the whole system let's say okay so we we i wouldn't have imagined that a consultant was the same thing as a doctor what we call a doctor here yeah so we have like doctors here but they specialize in like the areas however the the consultants i guess are more general Yes, they don't really operate on you. So it'd be somebody else. So they give you the advice and they would look at the history of you and 
whatever their specialism and link it to that. So, okay. but they're still doctors. So okay. yeah, it is kind so of complicated. maybe we call it our primary here is we call them a primary and okay. we go to them once every six months or once a year for what's called a physical exam. Is that the same thing? And this is when you have a problem that you would go see them more often. Okay. So, so for example, if you had cancer, you would go and see a cancer doctor quite a lot. Or a cancer, so, cancer consultant. Oh, consult. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it would okay. be a consultant, yeah. Okay, very good. Yeah. All right, I understand now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's good to know, right? Because yeah. it's really good to know because to not take for granted that your system is the same and things are changing, I think, right. as well in the health industry. And certainly, I do see more and more people taking their health into their own hands because they just, they hit a wall at some point where there's no answers and they have to find their own. In some ways, I find that that is a very, very big catalyst for a lot of awakening for a lot of people. It's like it's one of yeah. the many paths available to us. And I feel that, you know, when we're not listening to the nudges from the universe, typically what then happens is some kind of a health crisis. And you know, in my case, it was like every crisis at once because the universe was like, apparently, when I tap your shoulder in one area, like you don't listen, so you need them all, you know? And that was my situation for sure was just like, whoa, got the universal two by four from, you know, really not, not getting the message, you know, that I needed to pay attention. I think the same with me. I think I was I was overworking my business. I was nuts back then. I was living off like three hours sleep for like several years because I was like, I need to save everybody and do this and do that and was running around. And then my body went boom. Mm -hmm. And then it was like, okay, you can't do that now. What are you going to do? And it was like learning how to balance myself. So that's what I mean by the masculine and feminine. I've always had that kind of alpha energy, but that was because I was in the journalism world. So I, I didn't know how to go into my feminine. Yeah. So that was a whole journey itself for several years. And now I finally got the balance. So I'm like, okay, so I can rest now. That's yeah. fine. You know, I, I have my me day off or I'll do certain days where I don't even look at my phone. And, you know, it's been a process, but I think it's a blessing because had I carried on the way I was, I don't think I would be here right now. I agree. Same with me. And Gertz, let's head down that road next because I'd love for you to share with our listeners what you discovered some of those practices that were really missing from your life, like what brought you that kind of balance? Do you mind going there next? Yeah, sure. So waking up, I do not look at my phone. I make sure like I'm saying thank you, thank you to the universe. Um, the first hour and a half is me time. Don't need to look at my phone. Don't need to do anything. So that can be like yoga, meditation, doing my celery juice, doing the heavy metals uh, juice, um, the smoothie. Um being grounded in nature, because I think the old world that I knew was that you would you would get up, you'd run to work, and that that used to be me. So I learned that actually I don't need to be like that. I can be slow, I can be gentle, I can take time out for myself, and then I will start work later. And again, the old me would be like knocking in as many clients I could get in a day, mm -hmm. whereas now it's like right, I'll do two the most, and that's it. Yeah, because that's how my body. That's only how much my body can take, and as a generator, that's all I can do. Mm -hmm. So I've learned to slow that down. And um, so there's things like doing like so yoga, meditation, qigong, crystals, mm -hmm. making sure I'm grounded. I have crystals around me. I always take a bath every night because I see water as a cleansing thing. Mm -hmm. So after you've had a long day, just go sit in the bath and just relax zone out, listen to some meditation music or anything that just lightens up your soul. And just think about what's happened in the day and just think of three things you're grateful for. Mm -hmm. You can do that with somebody or you can just do it with yourself. And then think of three things you'd like to manifest for the next day. Because I feel like we're, we're too busy running for the next day, not being present. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we don't need that many things to think about. So that's kind of what I do in a day. And then I have my me day, which is a Thursday. So again, I don't respond on that day. That's my day. I don't need that. And just having support. I think as women who are very strong, we're not used to asking for help. And so if you are stuck, reach out, ask somebody if they can help you. I think that's key. Gosh, I'm trying to think. Oh, also I have like, I do new moon and full moon clearing. So I do a full moon clearing. If there's anything that's holding me back or I'm thinking, 
feeling anything that's tensed within that month, I release it then. And then it, the new moons, I always make new manifestations that I'd like to have for that month. And I find just doing that actually calms me down because the old me was like, I need to do this, I need to do that. Whereas if I have just a small list of things that I want to do for the month, it works out better. Well, I love I was starting to mark down some of the feminine values that I feel you're, you know, talking about. And so what I heard you say is nourishment, space, mm. rest, grounding, nature, ceremony, reflection, introspection, gratitude, presence, support, right? Asking for support, which I also see as relational women like the feminine mm. is very relational mm. it's very like we get to lean in to others when we need help we get to ask for support and there's the receiving is like we get to receive we don't always have to be the givers and the givers you know not to hyper kind of qualify these energies but you know i see I see giving as a as a masculine energy, even though women do it, we we do it, it, we're natural givers, but I actually, as you know, we embody both energies, but there's a way that that gets overtaxed and then we're not in the receiving of it. And so it just depletes the sh- crap out of us, right? <laughs> I'm like, I have so many explicit episodes lately. I'm like, you know, swear or not. <laughs> But nothing it's wrong with that. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. I just laugh at myself because every time an expletive wants to come out of my mouth lately, I'm like, okay, and then you're going to mark this one explicit again. You know, it's just funny. <laughs> so, and, and also just practicing, practicing restraint. So I love that. Yeah, it's like, it's how, and it's also kind of like gradual, gentle, mm. right? You had also used that word gentle. And they're, yeah, just like not being so hard on ourselves, the the grind, the grind, the constant grind. It's like, oh my goodness, it was so exhausting. It was so exhausting. Oh, sorry, I was going to say, I think that comes from our upbringings, the world that we live in. It's a very man, male orientated world. Mm -hmm. You know, we have to act like men and behave like men. And, you know, I was told that from a young age, if you want to be a journalist, you need to be very strong and you need to be like this and that. I blocked my sensitivity so I see every time I had a health problem, it was that my feminine energy was crying for help. Yeah. But I didn't know she needed help until the kidney thing happened. And I was like, oh, now I get it. She just wants to play. She wants to just be free. She doesn't want obligations. She just wants to dance and sing and do whatever the hell she wants. Exactly. And rest and relax yeah. and nourish. And so I allowed her to play. And when I allowed her to play, I was able to balance the masculine side easily because I realized that I'd forgotten about her for so long. Mm-hmm. Yep, I can relate to that. And it's it's a wonderful thing to have that kind of inner harmony and to start recognizing because there there has been a point in the last couple of years where I've gotten so present to seeing it, what's missing. And usually it's my body that will tell me first, right? Because I'm exhausted (laughs) or whatever the thing is, right? Or tense or uh, it's like the body is constantly the wisdom for kind of, oh, what, what, what is needed in this moment? What am I missing? How am I doing the old pattern and needing to come back into balance, come back into harmony with the way that I've learned now to operate? to my highest health and to the highest good of others, that it really does. It's like the better I can take care of myself, the more I can serve others. Exactly. That's the key. Like, and it's also the opposite of what we were taught. And especially as women, that's what we've been, we've been taught to serve, serve, serve. Don't say no, be a good girl, put on a good show. And putting on that good show is what actually damages us. Mm-hmm. And we're not able to show up for ourselves or speak up for ourselves. So I think doing the inner work and, you know, allowing your feminine side to come out gives her the voice to speak her truth. You know, that's been, and again, that links to what we were talking earlier on about the whole abortion thing. Women have been, it's been suppressed down in us for so long. Now we're ready to roar it out. And I think that's the feminine saying, let's come out now. Let's speak our truth. Let's change the system. Yes. Yes. Let's change the system. And so your work is 
you know, really focused on empaths. And I see why, because, you know, as an empath yourself, it is really, really important. I think, I think that's true about me as well. I think different, different people relate to different words. And so how do you describe empath so that we can kind of, for our listeners, kind of I would imagine a many, many of my listeners are also empaths, but I don't want to assume that, you know, yeah. we're talking about the same thing. So would you mind just kind of giving us your understanding of what an empath is? Sure. It's somebody who feels the pain of others. They can feel the pain in animals, humans. They can, there's a type of person that goes into a supermarket and somebody will tell their life problems to them without their permission. People feel so connected to them. They will share everything and anything to them. But again, not asking their permission if they can dump on them. Um, they are sensitive to sounds, emotions. Gosh. It's like they can walk into a room. Yeah, they can walk into a room and feel like if it's safe or if there's something else happening. Or maybe if they don't know they're an empath, they just suddenly feel anxious and they don't know why. Right. Or like they, they can sense the tension in the room before they've even said somebody said anything. They're like, oh, there's so much going on here. You get really tired being around a lot of people. So you you tend to need to kind of go into your own space and have me time. Um, people tend to lash out at you for no reason. Like they just think they can just say whatever they want and you just take it. But also you're very in tune with yourself. You you're, You basically you have, I call it like a lie detector in your body. So you know when someone's bullshitting and you'll see how far they take it. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> to see if that's like, is that if that's how they're going to be, then why do I want to be around someone like that? So empaths are very in tune people, but the world has taught them to toughen up. So they they hide their persona by putting on this kind of strong energy, but inside they're very gentle souls who who care for everybody and will do anything for anybody, even if that person's harming them, they'll still help them because they don't know boundaries. They don't know how to say no. Mm. They don't know how to say yes to themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, I am an empath, you know, and I have learned, you know, I'm just thinking of when I was a child, I could literally pick up on the slightest thing that was out of place emotionally. You know, I could always, I knew that while I didn't necessarily know what the secrets were, I knew I lived in a house full of secrets. Yeah. And that nobody wanted to tell them and that they were. And maybe, you know, for me, that's that's a big part of my revelation project, like revealing the things that were hidden from me that I knew were there, but I couldn't prove it. I could just feel it, you know? Even, yeah, you're right. Even as a child, you, you're picking up energy. You can sense when somebody's lying to you. You know when secrets are being kept from you. And it can be quite hard for empaths because they're thinking, well, I'm being honest. Why can't you be honest? Yeah. You know, we, we wear our heart on our sleeves and we want the best. We can be very transparent. But if somebody hurts us, then. Yeah. That, that's not a side you want to see. <laughs> well, and that that gets really, really problematic when you are continually being drained by those around you don't know how to create healthy boundaries and care for yourself so what is your do you have certain programs or methods or is it through coaching that you help others to kind of establish first of all a deeper understanding of who they are and how they can really care for themselves and then maybe help them to see where the work that they're doing or a job or the family, where they might need some extra support or where they might not recognize they need boundaries. Like, again, I'm making this up, but you tell me. I understand what you're saying. <laughs> um, yeah, so I have two programs. The first one is Trust Your Inner Light, which is an eight-week. Well, I say eight-week, but sometimes it ends up being eight months. It really depends on the client um, and what where their journey is and how how long they want it to be. But I, I believe it's all about self-awareness in the beginning. Like, I, you can't have boundaries without having self-awareness or forgiveness because you're always going to fall back into the trap. So the way I work is we look at what patterns are holding you back. So like we look at ancestral, cultural, society, familial, we even look at work trauma, you know, everything is linked. And then once we look at that, we work on forgiveness because, again, the forgiveness is not for them. It's for you. Yeah. 
you know, the pain that you have for how someone's treated you, I help them to clear that. Then we work again on the awareness and then we work on boundaries because when you have that awareness, boundaries are easy and you can speak your truth quicker. If you don't do the inner work and you're trying to put boundaries, you're always going to feel like, oh, should I, should I not? But when you've done that inner work, you're like, no, I want to be peaceful. I want to, want to be happy. So I'm doing this to tell somebody that, hey, you can't take the mick out of me anymore. So again, this is based on my own journey and what I've seen and how I kind of did it. Um, obviously, it took me a lot longer <laughs> than eight weeks. It took me like, God, we're talking over seven years plus to see all these things and patterns. But I spotted it within women and highly sensitive women. We all have this kind of like similarity where we want to hold boundaries. We just don't know how to do it. Mm-hmm. We want to say something, but we're so afraid. We care what other people think. So I I noticed that when we actually look at our patterns and we forgive and we have that awareness, then we go, right, I need to hold a boundary here. Mm-hmm. But before we'd be like, I don't know what's going on with me. Why are they doing this to me? But when you have the, the you've done that work and the awareness, then you're like, right, this one is taking advantage of me. Right, I'm going to speak my truth and put my boundary down. Whether they like it or not, I'm going to do it. And so that's kind of how I work. And it's not just, there is so much we do in that, by the way, that we program meets. We look at your life purpose. Like, again, I feel like once you do the inner work, it's easy to find your life purpose. But we also look at other parts of like, again, the masculine and the feminine, understanding that, you know, what does it look like for you? And then I have a VIP day, which is Rise Up Sister. And that is just a day full of healing. It's actually a five-hour session. It's oh, very powerful. Intensive, but very, very powerful. Yeah. Very powerful shifts. And again, we look at the patterns in your life, what needs to be cleared and why why you feel like you can't move forward. And honestly, again, I you know, I've done this so many times on myself, but like watching my clients go through the shift. And I always say this, I'm like, I should have taken a photo before and after because their energy, like you said earlier, we were talking about human design, their energy just illuminates at the end because that's decades of pain that they've had but also not just theirs, their ancestors Mm. cleared in the five hours. Sometimes, to be honest, we've gone over to seven hours, but again, it it depends on each client, but it's so powerful just clearing the cobwebs and actually allowing themselves to come back home to themselves. I see trauma as keeping us out of aligned with ourselves and who we are. It's, it's, It's very powerful. Like either one is very powerful, but I know that from experience that they work and just through helping other women do the same you just you again I start to see patterns <laughs> yeah so that's where I your genius comes in for sure yeah so and Gertz do you do the intensive one-on-one like in person do you do it digitally like I have a lot of clients in America I, I, I guess I think maybe it's my energy <laughs> yeah a lot of my clients come from America Canada we lo- Australia we love listening to to accents we do we're like <laughs> Say more, say more. Yeah. I understand. I actually worked in Canada for a bit as well. So I, I get it. There's something about the British accent that Americans and Canadians love. I don't know what it is. I don't know either. Apparently we sound smart. I don't know. It's just the way, you know, it's just the different expressions. Somebody said jumper the other day and I was just like, I love that. Or pictionary. It just sounds so elegant sometimes, oh, yeah. you know, it's like. Yeah. It has a certain elegance. You guys would say jumper. Yeah, well, we don't even say jumper. <laughs> Oh, what do you say? Sweater. Oh, sweater. Because yeah, we would say sweater. And it's so funny because you're like, oh, sweater, sweater <laughs> in an American accent. But yeah, like, isn't a jumper a sweater? A, a woolly, like it a is, yeah. yeah. So it's yeah, just so jumper. funny because we, we would call a jumper something you would put on a little kid, on a baby. Oh. Or put them in like a jumper. Or like a jumpsuit. We would say jumpsuit. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So there's all these, like, I just, we're all, I'm always like, oh, say more, say more. What does that mean? You know, uh, same way you said consultant. I'm like, what does that mean? Right. So it's, it's, it's fun because it's like learning another language, but not with, you know, like for me, languages were always difficult. At least we're speaking the same language. It's just got yeah. different meanings for Absolute. different things and <laughs> accents. I love it. So here's my next question, and perhaps my my last question of our interview today, which I have loved. Thank you. And my last question is, what's your most recent big revelation that you've had? Oh, hmm. that I'm powerful than I realize, and that whatever life throws at me, I can handle it. And there's a reason why the divine power 
has given me these roles in my life. Because when I look back at my life, here I was with this disempowered young Indian girl who was always taught to people please and be a good girl and sacrifice. And here I am doing the opposite and it pisses people off within my culture. And I, my language, but I fucking love it because I'm in my truth. And when you're in your truth, people are afraid of that. But what it's taught me is that there's so many other women like me out there who are not in their truth. And that's what my role is here to do in this world is to help awaken their inner light. Hence the inner light project, my podcast, because we all have a light within. And if I don't do it for myself, how are these other women going to know? You know, I'm, I'm here with the torch, with the light, yeah. like the lantern you were saying. And I wouldn't ever give that up. All the experiences, all the pain, all the heartache, everything I've gone through, even the hardships, they're there for a reason to make me who I am. And, you know, I'm only in my mid-30s and I think, bloody hell, what the hell have I? <laughs> a lot of work for such a young person. But I know that this is not just this life's work. I've clearly been doing this in other lifetimes. And now more than ever, I have this space to be more empowered than maybe the other lifetimes that I had. So Mm -hmm. I've got to just do what I've got to do, whether it's painful or not, I have to do it. And I know the more I do it, it lightens up other women who I've worked with, people around me, to just show them that you can shine so brightly and be unapologetic and we don't have to, what's the word, push ourselves down to make the world like us. We can mm-hmm. be ourselves and be free and just speak our truth. And if it doesn't like it, fuck it. <laughs> fuck it. Exactly. Yeah. I love that. Thank you. And did that revelation kind of come, that sounds like one of those revelations that's like happens when you take a moment and just like, witness yourself you know and it's like hey I've come a long way like wow like it's one of those right where you just it just kind of hits you in that moment like yeah wow look at who I've become yeah yeah I love that I think so I was working on a book proposal a few months back and I think that brought up a lot as in like I didn't realize how much I'd done and it made me also realize like why it's so important for women to heal deeply because like you said, there are less, there's not a lot of stories about us healing. There's not a lot of stories about us like fighting back. And, you know, why do we have to keep fighting? Again, it's because we've had decades, well, thousands of years of repression mm-hmm. and we're rising up. And so for me, the book proposal made me realize there is still more work to do, but, you know, at least we're doing the work. That's right. Yeah, so good. Well, I, I love that. And if you have, a URL or you want to tell our listeners where to follow you or if anything like that, please share with us where they can go and learn more about you. Sure. It's Gerd's Hundle. So G-U-R-D-S-H-U-N for Norman, D-A-L.com. You can find me on Instagram at I am Gerd's. You can find me on Twitter at I am Gerd's, Facebook at I am Gerd's. You can find me on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Inner Light Project, um, which is my podcast. Um, you can literally, if you just type in my name, Gerd's Handle into Google, you, there is literally a ton of stuff. So just find me, connect, let's talk. And if I can help, just let me know. Or if there's anything you'd like to collaborate on, I'm here as well. Well, and I love that you have the name that you have, which is very unique. It's not like there's like Carrie Jones, right? Like there's, <laughs> you know, you're an original. I love that, you know, and oh, people can you. Google you and, you know, learn more <laughs> for sure. And I am Gerd's is where it, most of your hand, your handles are. And that's so funny that that's your last name. <laughs> so Hundle, good. Handle. Handle. <laughs> okay. And so I've loved this conversation. I'm so, so glad I've, I've had you today for Thank this you. amount of time. Yeah. I was just going to say like my name. So Gerds is actually my nickname. So my actual first name is Gerdeep. However, again, it's amazing what the universe does. Like our name has power. So my name actually means darkness out of light helping people out of the darkness into their own light, a teacher, a la- lighter of them, um, light leader of the lamp. And I'm like, okay, oh I've my got God. chills right now. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's and truly- my middle name. I'll, I'll explain it all because it's crazy. And like, it's you guys out there, check out your name because it will always give you messages what you're here to do. So my middle name is Kaur, which means princess and Hansel means warrior. So I'm here to help women out of the darkness and be a warrior. So I'm not surprised that I'm doing this work because it's in my name and I've always fought for injustice. 
it's it's in my DNA. I I can't change that, and I love that's what I love. And I'm sure your name is the same. Like I'd love to know what Monica means because I think that I think I know. Hold on, I'm going to look really quick. But I believe that it means some version of like advisor. So hold on, Monica name meaning. It's so fascinating. Uh, solitary or to advise solitary or to advise monica is a girl's name possibly greek origin meaning solitary or a latin origin meaning to advise mm. so interesting and let's see if there's anything else here yeah i love that it that means advisor tr- and truth so there we yay. go. <laughs> and, yeah. And that's a big, you know, I always in, in my uh, podcast intro, I say disrupting the trance of unworthiness and here to reveal the truth of who we are. So Ooh, there we go. Yeah. yeah it was I always that. that. <laughs> I know it's like, it's the Oracle of the obvious. It's always right in front of us, hidden in plain sight. So yes, I'll be sure to put all of Gerd's links in the show notes and until next time more to be revealed we hope you enjoyed this episode for more information please visit us at jointherevelation.com and be sure to download our free gift subscribe to our mailing list or leave us a review on itunes we thank you for your generous listening and as always more to be revealed